Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast with Steve Schellenberger. You're listening to the show that is guaranteed to help you transform your life and achieve results that otherwise would have seemed difficult or even impossible. In each episode, you'll learn from someone who has achieved extraordinary goals. Steve is the number one national best-selling author. He's successfully started 11 businesses in three separate industries. He is a highly sought-after keynote speaker and corporate trainer for organizations around the world, an executive coach, the father of six, and the founder of Becoming Your Best Global Leadership. Here is Mr. Steve Schallenberger. Welcome to all of our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners, wherever you might be in the world today. This is your host, Steve Schallenberger, and we have an amazing guest today. Our guest is so talented and has a great message for leaders, managers, parents, millennials, and youths. So welcome to our show today, Dr. Joni Connell. Thanks, Steve. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, well, good. I'm looking forward to our visit. And before we get started today, I would like to tell our listeners a little about your background, which is you're so capable and so talented. Uh, so here we go. Dr. Connell is an author, an organizational consultant, uh, a leadership coach who helps people achieve their highest potential. And she works with companies to develop and, and retain top talent. She also works with people to improve their success and happiness in their careers, whether starting out or looking for a change. Joni is the author of Flying Without a Helicopter, How to Prepare Young People for Work and for Life. I hope we have the chance to talk about that. That'll be fun. And uh, she is a popular speaker addressing schools, youth groups, corporations, and parents. And Dr. Connell works with organizations from Fortune 100 to not-for-profit and government, and also teaches at distinguished universities, including UC San Diego. So Dr. Connell received her doctorate from UC Berkeley and her bachelor's from Harvard. So here we go. Let's get after it, shall we, Joni? Sure, let's go. <laughs> okay. Well, tell us about your background and your story, Joni. Uh, what was your life like growing up, and what experiences helped you see that you could be successful? Well, I actually grew up one mile away from where I went to college. I grew up in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And it's a little tougher there to grow up than it is here in sunny San Diego. <laughs> yeah, the, you know, the winters and all that. But I grew up with values. I think the, some of the values in Boston are really about authenticity, integrity, and strength. They're really important. And I used to walk through Harvard Yard every day on the way to high school, and that's really what got me interested in going down that path of a university. But my experiences, yeah, we didn't have a lot growing up, and I had to work hard to get what I wanted and get to where I wanted to be. And my parents taught me that. They also taught me that life isn't always fun and games. It's hard work. And a lot of things that we had to do, my dad, for example, he would say, look, I'll match. If you want to get a bike, you pay for half. I'll pay for half. So we had to work to get what, what we wanted. And I've had jobs since I was hmm, maybe 11. I think I started babysitting. 
which is really unthinkable these days. (laughs) (laughs) How true, how true, unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah, and I remember looking for my first job, you know, not for babysitting, that kind of thing, but actually in retail, you know, when I was in high school, it was my freshman year in high school, and I was... You know, it's challenging to go out there and sort of pound the pavement to look for work. And my dad said, look, all you need is one yes. And that got me thinking, all I need is that one yes, so expect a lot of no's. And it's that kind of um, upbringing that got me to realize it's not always going to be fun and easy. It can be a lot, there'll be a lot of no's along the way, but you have to keep working hard to get to where you want to be. And I think that's one of the things that's helped me be successful is being resilient you know, that is a blessing to have uh, important people uh, like your parents, as you described, or it could mm-hmm. be other people, of course, as well, that have such a profound influence uh, to teach you things like, hey, you're going to get a lot of no's, but you only need one yes. What a great concept. Isn't that so encouraging? Well, it is. It's discouraging and encouraging at the same time, <laughs> but realizing that it's okay to have the no's. Uh, that's, I would think that was a big, uh, you know realization for me that the no's are okay well and i loved where you were raised what a great area of history and culture and of struggle and freedom and liberty and thinking that must have been wonderful it was i love it there i still have family there and i go back at least once a year so it's it's a great foundation and a a nice area well good all right now what's been one of the biggest challenges in your life whether in your personal life or your business life, and then how did you handle it? Yeah, that, there are so many challenges in life, <laughs> but I would have to say the challenge that's been the biggest and the most uh, durable is having balance in life. Hmm. And um, that's, that's been a challenge at all the different types of work that I've done in terms of trying to get it where I want to have a life of my own that's a personal life as well as follow some of my passions like traveling and having time for family when that came up. Um, when I was a little older, you know, I had a, a child and, and a husband. And um, that's been a – and it still is a challenge, right, to be balanced. And really it's about prioritizing and learning that there are trade-offs at every point and figuring out what's more important at that point in time. And uh, that's that's what helped me get through various times. I could tell you, for example, when I was much younger, when I was single, my travel travel was my passion, and all over the world I would go, and and I had to take time off of work to do that, and it ended up, you know, causing some friction at work because I wanted to take extended time off to travel, and that was a priority for me at the time. Later. It came to staying in San Diego, where I live now, to be with my daughter, who was a young child, and not traveling. Sort of the opposite, not traveling, and learning that I had to find consulting work locally. And that's, that can be challenging, especially in a town like San Diego. It's not New York City or something, so finding work here, it's been, um, for a while, that was my priority, and I made it work. And now I'm branching out and getting more global again because my daughter's grown up. So every time there's, there's a challenge and it's a matter of prioritizing and also focusing. And that's what's helped me get through those. Well, I'm glad that you brought that up. That one is shared by so many of our listeners 
which is there's Mm -hmm. so many things pulling at them in life. How do you really do the things that matter most? Uh, And and find this balance, uh, which not the least of is our health, our emotional health, our physical health, and our ability to have the strength to give to relationships and and, uh, to give to others and to think about what can be. Well, those are all benefits that come from balance. So what are some things you've found that help you? to find that, you know, balance? Okay, well, I scaled back to some extent on how many hours I was working to make sure I had time for it and realizing that that was a net positive rather than a negative in terms of, you know, you feel the loss if you're taking away something out of your life, but I was actually gaining a lot by adding things. Like, for example, making sure, like you said, to have time to exercise and time for myself. I think that's particularly difficult for women, especially who are, are mothers as well, to take time out for yourself and finding that I I deserve that. I need time to go out and just do something on my own or with friends and being able to articulate that and understand how that brings so much more energy to the situation across the whole area of work, life, home, everything. If I feel like I'm energized, then I can give more to the work, to the family, to everything I'm doing. So that's that's one thing that I've been doing is really thinking about the time and realizing that some of these things that you don't always think are important really are more important, like time to yourself or exercise. And that's sort of trial and error, but it's also uh, something that the research supports wholeheartedly. Well, thanks for sharing that. Uh, we don't often hear that. That takes, first of all, I think the perspective that you just described, which is to scale it back a little bit and be sure we're spending our thing, our time on the things that really matter most. Uh, I had a wonderful advisor when I was a young man. This is uh, such a, uh, a blessing that it was for me, a fellow by the name of Thomas S. Monson, and uh, he was just giving me some advice. He said, now here are a few things I want you to keep in mind. One of those was don't run faster than you can run. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. I, I was a young guy. I was thinking, well, I can run pretty fast. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, what a baby I was. What a child. And uh, I've since learned the wisdom of that tremendous advice and counsel. And you just said it perfectly which is to uh, do the things that count most and try not to over plan in your life. Be careful, be thoughtful about this and know what matters most. And that's where we make the important decisions. Yeah, I would have to agree. And that takes some time to reflect internally to figure out what's most important. And sometimes it's surprising. When I was really young, I was looking for where I wanted to live, and I was using the book, What Color Is Your Parachute?, one of my favorites. And that was where I wanted to live, what kind of work I wanted to do. And I was prioritizing using the both uh, prioritizing grid. And I was found that where I wanted to live, I thought, oh, it would be something really nice or near the ocean. Or What ended up bubbling up to the top was safety. I needed to live in a neighborhood that was safe. And I I didn't think about that. It seems so boring. But sometimes these things are more important than we realize. And it takes a little bit of time comparing and contrasting the different angles that you're looking at something and the factors 
to figure out what really is most important. Well, good. Well, thanks for sharing examples such as that. And you certainly picked a great place. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Now, with Becoming Your Best and the 12 Principles of Highly Successful Leaders, we talk about the fact that great leaders produce great results. And it's what I've spent a lot of my time researching on. And, and so let's talk about leadership. It's such an important influence in our personal lives, our relationships, and in our organizations. So what are some of the unique challenges that leaders and managers have with their younger employees today? Oh, some of those challenges are coming up big time right now. I think one of the biggest one is the differences in expectations between the older and younger generations of people in the workplace. The managers are expecting younger people to come in and get the work done for them that they need to get done in the organization. And the younger people are coming in thinking that they've got their dream job and they want to move up and the manager's there to help them achieve their goals. And this is because for a number of reasons, you know, and the way people have been raised, but there's this big clash going on and what the expectations are. And the other issue would be uh, in terms of what some of the younger people are coming in with would be used to being more helicopter parented, you know, to have people protecting them and doing things for them and taking care of them. So they come in and expect their managers to be sort of helicopter bosses as well and taking care of them and getting barriers out of the way for them. And there's a big clash there. And and some of the younger people don't have some of these skills to do it on their own, to work as independently, be as resilient, and be able to communicate effectively. So those are some of the challenges that are going on right now. Oh, uh, okay. Well, I've got so many questions for you. I just mm-hmm. and I love this idea of your book, Flying with Without a Helicopter. Tell us about your book. Well, the book talks about these issues and what it needs, what it takes to be successful in the workplace, and some of the gaps that the younger people have coming in are center around life skills. I mean, the younger people are more educated and more prepared than ever before in so many ways. They are technologically savvy. They're, they're just great at getting things done quickly and networked and very positive skills there. But they have some of those gaps for the life skills of being independent and resilient and communicating effectively. And the book talks about the consequences of that in the workplace and then how to improve those skills. And it gives advice to people who are already at work, but also to younger people and their parents. And when you're starting out even younger, how do you avoid some of those pitfalls and make sure that people are learning those skills as they grow up? Well, that's a good overview. I can't wait to order it today. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I haven't had the chance, but uh, as soon as we hang up here today, I'll, I'll order mine. Uh, okay, so what can leaders do to optimize their effectiveness with millennials? Well, I just talked about this communications gap or the lack of expectations. And right there, first thing is to understand each other, right? So first, the older generations have to understand the younger generations, and the younger generations have to understand the older ones. And finding out what's 
lying underlying these expectations and how people were raised differently and not necessarily blaming people for being different, but saying, oh, I can see why you would have different expectations. And so let me give you an example there. Some of the millennials who have been raised in this more helicoptered environment come in and they've been told that they're fantastic, that parents have been raising them to have the highest self-esteem. They've been getting trophies and A's and all these (laughs) wonderful feedback all through life. And they get to the workplace and the manager is thinking, well, maybe they're not that great. You know, the the work that they just did (laughs) actually had some flaws in it. And they go to give them some feedback and the young person just breaks down and cries or says, this is wrong, it's, it's impossible, or quits the job. And there has to be an understanding of why that person would be in that position to, to have that reaction to feedback, and rather than saying, oh, this person just you know, isn't, isn't fit for the job, and, and maybe finding a different way to give that feedback in a way that helps the person grow and makes them understand the importance of being able to take feedback that's more honest and uh, that will help them be stronger and and that kind of thing. So having an understanding of where someone's coming from before approaching them is really important. And perhaps coaching them more than than also falling into the trap of doing it for them. You know, sometimes when somebody's not as able to be independent or do things in a project, it's quicker for you to just do it for them. And managers need to step back and say, nope, I'm going to spend a little bit of time educating this person and talking them through it so they can learn how to do it on their own and not come back to me next time to do it for them. Oh, I love that uh, description that you've provided and perspective. One of the greatest Mm -hmm. enemies literally uh, is assuming, (laughs) assuming, you know, one way or the other, either side of things. And so this issue Mm -hmm. of communication and also the culture that we create within our organizations. This is one of the things that great leaders can do is create a culture uh, that literally is so engaging that there's a high trust and a respect so that kind of communication can exist. Steve, you said it perfectly. Yes, that trust is critical for success. And okay. the lack of oh, go ahead, understanding please. and communication is really what erodes that. Uh, indeed. Uh, Well, let's talk about going back to this book, and you talked a little about parents. So how are parents getting in the way of their children's success? Well, parents are, well, you would say doing it for them. That would be the way they're getting in the way. Uh Yeah, similar to if a manager does it. But parents are so concerned about their kids being successful that they want to get in there and advocate for their children and set up different opportunities for their children and they come in and take care of them. They also want to protect their kids from any disappointment. So they go in and remove barriers, talk to the teachers, uh, go and call up and get a friend to give them a job. So set the kids up for these kinds of opportunities. And that, I mean, it's great that it gives people opportunities, but what it's doing is disempowering the children in the process. And they're not learning how to go out there and do it themselves. Like they're not learning that you need those no's to get the yes, right? Uh, they're not learning how to uh, go out and try to articulate that they would like a job and how uh, they would be a good candidate for a position because parents are doing it for them. So that's at the older level. And it starts really young, too. I mean, when parents 
of younger children are going in and talking to the teachers or calling up other parents because their kids are not getting along at school rather than letting the kids talk to each other or, or advising them on how to get along with each other, those kind of things. Okay, yeah, and letting them learn, just like your dad said, hey, you know, you're going to go through a lot of no's, but there will be a yes. You just have to keep at it. (laughs) Yeah, and that's another thing for parents. I mean, gosh, is it hard to see your child suffer. That's one of the worst things in life. It is. is seeing your child suffer. And it's hard to let go and let them get through that. But it's really important for them to do that, especially when they're young. And the no's are less, you know, consequential than when they're adults, right? You know, you get a no like you're not invited to a birthday party. Yeah, that hurts, but, you know, letting your kid get through that will help them be stronger. Well, uh, and you know what? I, it's, it's never too young mm-hmm. uh, to, uh, to have this perspective that children are learning all the way along. Uh, I gave a, I did a keynote last week, and uh, one, one of the things I talked about was just having a good perspective, and when tough things happen, just say, what a blessing. Yep. <laughs> and then think of a yep. reason why it's so. And and so I happened to see uh, a 28-year-old young mother of a 2-year-old that, that, was a, that had attended, and she manages uh, a hotel chain. And uh, so I said, so how did that go for you last week? And she said, well, let me just tell you what happened. She said, my two-year-old has been going to daycare <laughs> while I've been working, and he is beating everybody up. And so, <laughs> so the leaders are really concerned here, and I'm concerned, and I'm feeling guilty as the mother. And, and she said, so in our seminar, the keynote, you had us pair up with someone else and share something bad, and the other person would say, well, what a blessing, and here's why. And she said, you know... What happened is that the other person said, this is such a blessing because your son is going to have to learn skills to get along. (laughs) It's true. Absolutely. So true. And she said, so here's what we started doing. She said, first of all, I no longer felt guilty. I felt like this is going to be okay. And she said, second is I tried what you taught us to do, which to have some positive sayings. So uh, when I was dropping my son off, uh, I would say, this is going to be a great day. Now say that, son. <laughs> yep. And then second is, I'm going to make two friends today. And uh, so when I talked with her, which is just yesterday, uh, she said, I talked with the leader of the daycare center, and she said, I don't know what's happened, but for the last three days, your son has been amazing. He's making wow. friends but this just comes right back to what you're talking about is we have the chance to give guidance uh, and suggestions, but they're going to have the experiences. And this is, this is the impact that it can have. Right. And I love it that you're saying that the mother understood that too. Cause I think sometimes parents lose sight of the fact that these, you know, challenges or problems that come up are blessings for the kids. Uh, indeed. All right. Mm-hmm. So now what can, you know, you, you've just done some really great thinking about this. So what can we do right now to help our kids or our employees be more resilient? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let them fail. That's <laughs> a little scary. 
but let them fail, make mistakes. Now, clearly, you're not going to give an employee a $10 million project to fail on, but you can find something smaller to get their feet wet Hmm. and learn how to do things and make mistakes along the way and give them guidance, like you said. Stand behind them and coach them with questions to help them figure out how to solve the problems instead of standing in front of them and doing it for them and navigating the way through. And this is for kids, too. You know, you give your kids opportunities to do new things or have some independence, and you don't let your 2-year-old run out in the street and get run over by a car, but you might let the 2-year-old run around the playground and fall and skin his or her knees, you know, that kind of thing. So you find ways for, for people to make mistakes and learn from them and grow so that they can get tougher and be able to take it when they're having the higher stake kind of decisions to make. Okay, good. So you're really more of a mentor or partner and and setting up the right framework, but let them go. Yep, exactly. Okay, all right, good. Now, uh, let's just think one other thing here. Uh, what actions can people take to have a career that excites them? So we're talking about millennials and just about anyone. What's your perspective on that? Well, I would say look inside yourself and be honest with yourself too. Be honest with what are your strengths and where do you have gaps? And not oversell yourself, but understand that those gaps are perfectly acceptable to have. Like, I know I am not good at baseball, and I probably never will be, and that's okay with me, you know, because I have other strengths that I I use, and and I do other things. And look inside to see where your strengths are, and also what is the environment and the fit that would make you happy. Sometimes it's not necessarily about the subject matter, whether it's engineering or law or coffee, sales, things like that, it's a matter of what kind of fit do you want? Do you want to work with people? Do you want to be alone in a lab and thinking through things? Do you want to be helping others? Or do you want to be in a competitive environment where you're going to be able to win? So finding out the fit as well as what you bring to the table and what you want to avoid doing as well. Oh, that is, that's a tremendous perspective. What great advice, really. Uh, so, you know, people, they have so much good within them. And, mm-hmm. so, and so it is finding that strength that they have, that those natural talents and abilities, and, and then getting the right fit. Well said. Thank you. Yeah, it's what's helped me, and I, that's what I advise people to do, and it seems to work well. Okay, so what are some tips that you can give our listeners to help them maximize their success as a leader? Well, leaders are nowhere without followers. So I'd say the first thing, which is the most overlooked thing, is listen to your followers and find out what they need and what they want so that you can lead them in a better way. That's the first step. And the second one would be be flexible because change is inevitable. So don't have such a rigid vision of where you want to go that you're not able to change and shift gears when things happen around you that are unexpected. Those are a couple of tips that I would think are fundamental to good leadership. Yeah, so powerful. Uh, one of the things that, you know, I have a wonderful partner uh, in our energy services company, David Clark. Uh, he is one of the best 
leaders and best managers that I've met just about anywhere. And one of the things that we try to do is we go around with to with our employees and associates, and this is just illustrating what you just talked about, is we'll just say, well, okay, so how's Joni today? How's she doing? Mm-hmm. And uh, And listen carefully, and then... Well, what are Joni's plans for the next one to three years? <laughs> and just really cue in on it. And so you're so right. I think that's a that's a wonderful advice. Yeah, no, it really helps because, like I said, if people aren't following you and you're just trying to lead them in a direction that they're not willing to go in, you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah, great. I cannot believe how fast the time has gone today. We're, our time's up. But how can our listeners learn more about what you're doing? Well, my company website is FlexibleWorkSolutions.com, and that's the way to find out information about my book or my consulting. And if you want to find more information about the book itself, FlyingWithout.com has a free chapter of the book as well, so you can download that and read it and see if you want to buy it. Okay, good. Well, uh, I can't wait to get mine, and uh, so that'll be uh, really a great resource for people. Well, thank you, Joni, for being part of this show today. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, it has been for me as well. I know our listeners uh, will get a lot out of this one. Uh, you've done such a fabulous job in the what, how you help others, and we wish you all the best as you are making a difference in the world. And to all of our listeners... Never forget, you too can make a difference every single day of your life. I'm Steve Schallenberger with Becoming Your Best Global Leadership, wishing you a great day. And thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Becoming Your Best podcast. We want to know what your big takeaways were, so head on over to becomingyourbest.com and you can find all the information about the podcast right there as well as the show notes page where we'd love to hear what you thought about each and every single episode. Also, if you haven't done so yet, please go subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave a rating and review. A rating and review is by far the best way for you to show your appreciation for the show because it helps other people find out about the show and decide if this is the podcast for them. So now it's all in your hands. It's time for you to go out there to take action and truly start becoming your best.